0: You're drowned by my perfect fire. My perfect. I'm ready life. for the adventure to put a podcast into
1: the world. Well, that's perfect, because this is the word on the hill. We are the First Linky guys. You pressed record all early up on this show, dude. You were singing a song and I wanted the people to the people to hear it. I am Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Bussett. And we are gonna talk about the Bible. So much. Fun. Fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um so uh we have uh, come to uh, Oh wait, I wanted to point something out really quick. Have you been me. following the news all the Nobel prizes are coming out. Yeah, there was something about some like stuff. Well, I'm getting the impression that I'm never going to win one. <laughs> so I just wanted to I just wanted to vent that. Sorry, what were you going to say? Y-
0: you know, you're uh, you are um a peace prize in and of yourself. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude.
1: What you said something before, you were like, oh, I have this thing, but I'm going to wait till we're on the podcast to talk about it because it's so profound and I want everybody else to know it.
0: Shoot. I totally, Is that for the readings? I totally forgot, dude. <laughs> I knew you would. You,
1: did, did you know I would? Yeah. That's why I always tell you all my insights and then we fake being amazed by each other on the podcast. N- no, actually. No, we don't. We don't do that. Do you guys know that we get so excited and we,
0: we actually have to hang out with each other With all of these really exciting things on our hearts, and we don't talk about them because we want to actually share the experience of the discovery with
1: you. So we talk about other things.
0: We have uh, our special, uh, very special announcement to make. Okay. Okay. We are going to team up with. Oh, are we announcing that? Is the, that is this, f- this official? Are oh, you sure the,
1: we're prepared to make this announcement?
0: I am. Are you sure, positive? Positive. Are you sure? Hundred percent. Okay.
1: Oh, I just remember
0: what what I was going to talk <laughs> okay, about. <it's> <laughs> be. Hold on. Do the announcement first. <laughs> Come back to that. This is the problem. Focus
1: on one thing at a time. Hanging out with me. Pull up your microphone. It's, it's sagging. Is it sagging? Yep. Okay. I hate sagging microphones. Okay. Tell me what your announcement. Tell us what the announcement is. <laughs>
0: okay. the The announcement is that we are going to team up with the Catholic Stuff You Should Know Guys to uh, do a dual podcast of um, we're going to actually invite the Catholic Stuff You Should Know Guys, uh, which right now is uh, Olo, um, Michael O'Loughlin, and and Gobes, also known as Father Michael O'Loughlin. Olo and Gobes. Oh, and Globes. Is that how they go? Oh, <laughs> yeah. and Globes. Yeah, dude. So so and then we're gonna actually uh, guest star on their podcast. So we're this is gonna be celebrity time. Do
1: you remember when we were kids and there was like the crossover episodes between the Jetsons and the Flintstones and stuff? Dude, it was awesome. That's all I can think of.
0: Dude, you know what it reminds it's the best. me of? What? It reminds me of the Judgment Night soundtrack. Dude, do you remember that from the '90s? I don't even know what half the words you said mean. Um, there was Judgment Night. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a collaboration between hardcore bands and hip hop bands. It was this kind of terrible. like Ice T and Body Count from the first Lollapalooza. Okay,
1: I remember Body Count in the uh, house. I Body believe Count. the children are our future compilation. Yeah, yeah. Do you I remember? I believe um, the children are our future. I'm
0: super, I, I'm really excited. I was hanging out with uh, uh, Father Nathan Goebel over the weekend, and and I was like, dude, it's going to get totally real up in here, man.
1: It's going to be the most confusing podcast.
0: Absolutely. You're going to like, there. who's talking right now? Because it's definitely not going to be Michael O'Laughlin because he's very quiet and reserved.
1: He's such a good man. Yeah. He's a holy man. We went to college he, together.
0: Oh, dear. He's a holy and guy. our names
1: are right next to each other in the alphabet, so because oh. we we're both theology majors, we were all in the same class, and right next to each other in the roll
0: call. M-N-O-P. Mm-hmm. Dude, you guys together are like a a clothing brand from the '80s.
1: O'Laughlin and Powell. Op. Op. Very good. Okay. So, what were you gonna say?
0: I was gonna say that um, I've been having this really weird experience.
1: Um, (laughs) We're like twenty minutes into the podcast. No, we're not. No, we're not. But we're We're like six.
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, I've been having this weird experience to like going like we're about to finish the three-year cycle. We're on the twenty-eighth week in ordinary time. Shoot. And we're about to hit, like, a full podcasting expression on the entirety of the three-year cycle.
1: We'll have to talk about um, the Lutheran lectionary
0: (laughs) next. The Book of Common (laughs) Prayer will be now our assignment. No, so today we are in the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. You better believe it. Which is also the Feast of St. Kenneth, which is so funny to me.
1: St. Kenneth. I've, I ain't ever so heard of St. Kenneth. for all dude. you Kens out there, <laughs> Ken Barham, this is this is for, this one's for you. Yeah, there's uh, a shout out, <laughs> Ken Barham, on your feast day. Boom, boom indeed.
0: So, um, the first reading that we have is yeah. from Wisdom. Ooh, wisdom. 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 W can be pronounced as V if you're German. Wisdom. Or Austrian. Or Austro- Austro-Hungarian. Or Austro-Hungarian. Or Hungarian. Hungarian.
1: I'm hungry for turkey. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, come on.
0: Wisdom seven, seven
1: to eleven. Um, our responsorial psalm—probably edit that out. Our responsorial psalm right. p- is Psalm number ninety, verses twelve through thirteen, fourteen through fifteen, and sixteen through seventeen. Fill us with your love, O oh Lord, and we will sing for joy.
0: Mm. And then the um, second reading is uh, brought to you by St. Drogo's Coffee House on the Hill in Boulder, where we serve Ozo coffee for the cheapest prices that you can get anywhere around. Dollar cups of coffee, dollar cups, uh, es- espresso shots, $2 lattes. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 to 13. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you thought that was the best. You were like, oh no, did you just really do
1: that? I thought, yeah, I did. Yeah, I loved it.
0: We really do have a coffee house. That, that, actually, everything that I was just saying was really true. But you guys
1: should all come to our co- I just thought we weren't doing the big, grand announcing opening yet. I
0: mean, we're, I mean, we're going we're, to yeah. have a big party. Yeah, no, that's what it, I'm saying. It's been up and running. Oh, You've totally. Been, like, just
1: living it. You guys, if you're not coming to Drogo's Coffee Shop in the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center, 1520 Euclid in Boulder, you are seriously missing out. Boom. No, seriously, if you're in Boulder or near Boulder, give it a shot. Our gospel is coming from the gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 30. Picking up exactly where we left off last week. Oh, yep, dude. Yeah.
0: Did you watch uh, *Key and Peele*?
1: Probably. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. Substitute (laughs) teacher.
0: (laughs) We got this on lock. I don't know that one. Okay. I don't listen to (laughs) him. We're up in here getting some (laughs) terries. Some (laughs) terries.
1: We got this on lock. You're killing me. You are. You have cheered up. Since the since we started the podcast, which makes me very happy. Ever listening audience, if you guys ever want to
0: know something, that um, sometimes I'm moody, and um, and Scott Powell literally consistently gets me in a much better mood. Really? Oh, that's why you keep me
1: on the payroll. Oh,
0: consistently, yeah. Like, dude,
1: that's why I'm on the payroll. 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 All right. That Our was first a, reading, dude. You could sample what we just did and put that in a song. Everyone will. Okay. We're gonna have copywriters people do we've talked about wisdom a lot well then let's not talk about it anymore okay our second reading is from, from the responsorial no Psalm. come on we gotta talk about it. okay okay wisdom yeah we've talked about wisdom it's one of the deuterocanonical books it is a collection of sayings um rather than kind of a
0: consistent narrative expression
1: yeah and the main themes of this book are the idea of 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 we can find wisdom and we can find the way to god in creation and what he has given us And there's a a dichotomy between the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. Fool. So this is the middle part of the book of wisdom, what our reading is coming from this week. And it's the section which is really about the praise of wisdom. So chapters 6 through 9 or so are all praising how great wisdom is. And, you know, the fathers, well, let me just read this really, well, at least part of it. It says, I prayed and prudence was given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne Oh. And deemed riches nothing in comparison with her. Nor did I liken any pr- priceless gem to her, because all gold, in view of her, is a little sand, and before her silver is to be accounted mire. Beyond wealth and comeliness, I loved her, and I chose to have her rather than the light, because the splendor of her never yields to sleep. Yet all good things come together for me and her company and countless riches at her hands. Did I liken any priceless gem got to be her Because all gold. Is that what I sound like to you? Of her. So here's the thing. Um, The fathers of the church, and I'm not trying to give away the entire punchline. Maybe I am. But, I mean, the punchline is is so obvious, but I want to tie it together maybe in some, some of the more subtle ways. The fathers of the church, the the ancient saints, all looked at the book of wisdom and really the wisdom literature, mm-hmm. and said that what wisdom is to what is wisdom. Well, the wisdom is wisdom, properly speaking, is God's word. Well, right. what is God's word? God's word is Jesus incarnate, and I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There, there's a little, you know, there's 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 some frustrations. This sometimes people get when, when wisdom is always referred to in the female pronouns in the book of wisdom and you know, it's pointing toward Jesus who is a male, you know, but, but the idea is that Jesus embodies the wisdom of the Old Testament. Yes, I he mean He is it because have, he is God's word made flesh.
0: That. But then flesh. You also God's have this God made flesh gospel. So. And uh <laughs> <laughs> you are a Snark fans dude I love you. I was actually just thinking as we were reading this I was like how many references does this make to popular cultural television shows like Game of Thrones Gem Okay, that was all I had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't watch that much. Yeah, no, I don't watch either of those shows. I don't
0: either. But like, um, what? I don't even know what Gem is, dude. It's the it's a nineteen eighties cartoon about a gem and the rock You've stars. You gotta be kidding me! I, I know I, that. I know, that's come not on, what dude. I thought you were referring to. I mean, hey, good heavens! <laughs> heavens to Betsy! heavens to Betsy! I was uh, well. One of the things that can really happen, though, is that um. uh Wisdom can also be personified in the Holy Spirit, can't it? I mean, like, sure. That, that, like, yes, Jesus is the wisdom of of God yes. I- incarnate and made. But then there there is just there is a latitude and a room to be able to actually express the that this is uh, that this is is as a, an experience of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When you say her, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I have no I have no beef with that. I don't either. I ain't got no beef. It's a dog barking in your backyard. Your dogs are barking. Um oh, so oh. Let, so, okay, I want to actually leave that where leave that where it lies and we're gonna come back to it when we get to the gospel. Fair enough? Fair enough. I I mean I don't mind you telling me that I lie. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs>
0: We can come back to that. But I mean I just wanted to answer your initial statement.
1: Yeah, well I don't I don't see it as a problem. I don't either. So because there we go. The father and I are one. Yeah. Yeah. And the spirit as well. That's an asterisk to what he said. (laughs) Oh, and the spirit too.
0: That was the implication of what I was trying to proclaim. The Trinity
1: is confusing is the moral to that story. The Trinity is confusing. Okay. Psalm 90, the, the response itself in verse 14 says, fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Gosh, this is one of those weeks where for me, at least in my mind, it's really hard to not speak about these all in reverse order dude. because the gospel brings all of them sensibility.
0: I've been finding that increasingly difficult just in the podcast. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll do our best then. So fill us with your love and we will sing for joy. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Uh, Psalm 90, here's what I will say about it. Historically speaking, Psalm 90 has been used both in the East and the West, uh, Eastern church, Western church, Um, As a prayer that's often used in the liturgy of the hours or in morning prayers at the beginning of the day as a way of offering our work and uh, yeah, literally our labors and our work to God. That's how it's traditionally been used in the church. And so I think there's actually something, yeah, honestly, I I don't know if I have much more to say until we get to the gospel, then I want to come back. But this idea of the church and her wisdom has always understood, okay, at the beginning of the day, we basically cry out to God to fill us with his love, O Lord, and we'll sing for joy. And to teach us how to number our days properly. Did you just spit a raw egg out of your mouth? No. You've got to be kidding me. It's a hard-boiled egg. Oh, it's hard-boiled. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness that we may shout for joy. This is partially why it's used in that way. So basically at the beginning of the day, it's asking God to order us in our days and our works and the things that we are and the things that we do. My parents uh pray
0: this prayer prosper the work of our hands prosper the work of our hands. Yeah. Like that's actually like essential my dad's a custom cowboy bootmaker. You better believe he is. And uh and so like this is essential and they pray this every day because do they really? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz they're like dude, we work with our hands yeah. and like there's no um because implied in in my dad being a um the um, custom kabob maker, 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 my mom is as well.
1: Are you peeling a hard-boiled egg right now on the podcast, <laughs> dude? I'm just this is Ren- Renardo, You do what you
0: gotta do. Okay, Ronaldo is gonna be uh, super
1: bummed. Oh, Renato, Renato. or Renato, oh, I, Stop it! No, I'm sorry. He is. I was just being a punk. Yeah, you were being a punk. Um, our second reading. So again, we'll come back to that. I, I want to put I, this is a great little jigsaw puzzle.
0: Basically but, basically what you're seeing happen is Scott Powell is racing through the readings because he wants to maintain the order of them, but at the same time he wants to get the gospel so that everything else makes sense. But yes, he that's but he, true. But, he, but you cannot deny the order of the that's scriptures.
1: Noble. That's a noble thing to be doing. You are a noble man. All right, eat your egg. All right. <laughs> right? Chapter uh second reading is from Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between spirit, um, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections of thoughts of the heart. No creature is concealed from Him, but everything is naked, exposed to the eyes of Him whom we must render an account. Now, this is interesting because what what Hebrews is doing is taking the idea of the Book of Wisdom from our first reading yeah. about wisdom, which which really is God's Word. That's what wisdom is. It's how we discern God and who he is and what he's doing in the world. Hebrews is taking the same concept, but instead of calling it wisdom, it's calling it God's Word. And instead of simply speaking about the Word of God in an abstract way, yeah. it's speaking about it in a personified him and mm-hmm. he. Did you notice that? Yeah. It kept saying, so, you know, when I was in my Protestant days, We always talked about that verse specifically, I guess, verse 12. The word of the Lord is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. But I rarely read on from there and saw that when it talked about the word of the Lord, we're not just talking about the Bible. The Bible is God's word made written. That's true. Yes. But the Bible is not the totality of the word of God. The word of God is Jesus himself. So with th- this is why the Mass is the, the source and summit of the Christian faith because at the Mass we have the Word of God made written and we have the Word of God made flesh and they come together and we consume both of them because the Word of God is not restricted to his written words on a page. It is flesh and blood and we get to actually receive that as well. Yes. So it's it, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews knows what he's talking about in the sense that Maybe the author of the books of, Book of Wisdom did not. He was alluding to something, but the author of Hebrews was like, no, I'm saying him in a very specific way. I know exactly who the Word of God is. Well, it's like St. Paul says. He
0: says, um, uh, we see dimly as in a mirror, but we shall ultimately see face to face. Yes, the, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, Absolutely. New Testament. Like, like, we, like we actually
1: encounter the face of the Lord. We actually know how to look for the Lord. It's also, I think it's an... Kind of an apologetic for for the Catholic faith, because again, again, when I I hear this so strongly from my Protestant days, the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than a two edged sword. But the Word of God is not contained; it's not um, merely contained in the Scriptures themselves. That right. is God's word for sure but it extends beyond that to Jesus's body blood soul and divinity to the sacraments to the tradition of the church to all the things that Christ has handed down through the apostles to us it's all of it and actually it's in what is it in Thess- in uh, Timothy where it says the 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 pillar and bulwark of of truth is the church right Actually, the traditions; those things are necessary. Right. So when the Bible is talking about the Word of God, yes, the Word of God as the canon has not appeared yet. No. We haven't got that together no, yet. That's it's, not what it means. It it's means, not solidified. Right. So it's bigger than that, which which actually should be really good news. That this is big, and this is not to to I mean, denigrate or underestimate the importance of Scripture. But by was, any means,
0: that was previous. Now we actually do have a canon. P.S. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. But when the writer of Hebrews is writing this, it's obviously not part of the Scriptures. I,
0: I was actually preaching about this yesterday. Like there was a time in which people just got together to listen to the Word, man. Like, it, it was, yeah. like, it, like the the the, the sense of, and the orderliness of of the breaking open of God, of the Word of God. Like, yeah, like. The liturgy always had a certain sense of structure, but when we have a lectionary cycle,
1: but like you'd be like, hey, we got a letter from Paul, let's gather together as a community and read it in mass. Yes, and because that was the proper context, that was the best context. And so, one of the criteria when the church was actually putting together the final canon of what would become the New Testament, part of the (laughs) canon, yeah, part of the criteria was, is every known church in the world reading it at mass? And so, the, its use in the liturgy was one of the most important criteria the church used in the 300s to determine what is the definitive canon. Yes. Is it is it liturgical? So it's important to keep in mind. So anyway, I, I love this,
0: but dude, that's going to be the name of my of my Catholic punk rock band.
1: It's liturgical. Liturgical canon. Ah, very good. We are liturgical canon. You're ridiculous. All right. So gospel, the our gospel, and this is what I think will bring everything to life. <laughs> Come on, man. I You're killing me today. I'm laughing dude, I'm I actually laugh at your jokes and then
0: the did next Did I make thing, a joke? You know, yeah. What was it? Was it funny? Yeah. Really?
1: I don't yeah. even remember making you, a joke. Yeah. What did I say?
0: You lived your life. <laughs> what? You were just living your life, man, and you were being funny. My I'm just life, I'm life. just was saying a joke to you. <laughs> what is with all
1: the workout gear? Did you just decide to become healthy all of a sudden? <laughs> no, no. Uh, sorry, I just I I meant to ask you before. There are weights and stretchy things and weightlifting gloves everywhere.
0: Um, I got them as a gift. Ah, okay. So, so Father Enough Greg, said. Father Greg Peterson, he was like, dude, he was like, you know what? He's like, I heard you're entering boot camp, which has been my like word. I'm like, I'm gonna go go into mm. boot camp, which is like, dude, I've got to get like l- some level of exercise into my life. And so he's like, "Dude, you know what the secret is? Here's some stuff. Gear.
1: <laughs> you are a gearhead. So if there's anything that would motivate you, it would be gear.
0: Yeah, no. Greg, Greg and I have been together he's for more friend. than 20 years. Good so. friend, man. Yeah, dude. It
1: must be nice to have your good friends.
0: Dude, have fun with all your friends. Have fun with all your friends. Do you not have, have friends? I have you. you. If you say if you say you don't have friends on this podcast, I have you. all the you're friends. The only <laughs> one I have. Okay. All I've got. Hey,
1: you're all I've got. Um, no, I have friends. I have friends. My mom says I'm cool. So Mark <laughs> chapter 10. So we're picking, we're picking it up from last week. One of the things we mentioned kind of as we ended last week, um, in Jesus's section, in the, in the middle section of the gospel of Mark, which we call the way of the Lord section, where he's literally traveling the way, the road, the Hodos road to Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, he gives this long series of teachings throughout most of chapter ten, which have to do with marriage, kids, and money. Right? Remember that. And it's the first time I, which
0: I, I preached on it this last weekend. I, mean, like, I forgot at the mass you were at. Yeah, I was. Thanks, that was actually what I was going to talk to you after mass.
1: Oh, we didn't really get a chance to talk, did we?
0: No, no, because I was like, I was like,
1: I, have, I had something to tell you about something.
0: But then I, but then I remembered just now, and I told you about it just now.
1: Thanks, man. So,
0: hodos, uh, The, yeah, the yeah. So, m- money, kids, family, but, but what's marriage.
1: Sig- what's significant is that this is the fir- at the end of this section of teaching, it's the first time that you see the apostles who have been probably walking in front of Jesus. They're talking about who's the greatest. They're talking about the thrones that they're going to get at the right and left hand. Now, all of a sudden, once Jesus talks about marriage, kids, and money, all of a sudden, they're amazed and they're frightened and they're walking behind him. So, it's beginning to make... The way of the cross, kind of come down to earth. This is real stuff. This it's, is everyday it, life. It's a concrete expression. Yeah. It, this is not just some sort of governmental
0: idea that I can go, I can go home and live my life. Yeah, and I'm going to be in some sort of weird governing body that yeah. I can like do some le- legislation or something. Right, which is I, what they're thinking. Th- where they're saying, like, hold on, you mean
1: I got to change everything? Yeah. Yeah, no, ain't nobody want to do that. Ain't nobody down for that. So what it says in chapter 10, verse 17, as Jesus, well, what what the translation you're all going to hear at Mass says is, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up. I don't like that translation because it, it sounds artificial. I'm not criticizing the scripture. I'm criticizing the translation. But it, Jesus wasn't just like, oh, okay, I'm going to go on a journey now. What it says is as Jesus was setting out on the way, on and the, the hodos, horos, so this whole section is about the way of the Lord. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go take a trip now. He's been traveling, and now he's back on the Hodos. He's back on the way, and we know where that way is headed. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be spat upon, and, and you know everything else. So this is a little road marker to remind us that this is as he's as he's going back on his on his his journey, his path to Jerusalem. A man ran up. It's almost like it was. Uh, it's almost like it's choreographed. <laughs> Because he just finished talking about if you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to be like a little child, right? And he yeah. calls the children. And then as if on cue, this guy runs up, kneels down before Jesus, which is the, a profound sign of humility and, and deference. And he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? Um, th- it's an interesting question because it was kind of—well, no- two things to point out about this. Number one, the idea of eternal life or the afterlife by this time was was kind of a relatively new idea in Judaism. Really? For a long time, there was, you know, the idea of being in God's favor or being part of God's kingdom or the people of God had to do with the here and now. And it wasn't until... Um, well, it, kind of the first evidence in Scripture you see of it being talked about is, is maybe in the book of Daniel, the book of Maccabees, where you start to get things about the afterlife and, and eternal rewards for things and, and all this stuff. But there's still some Jews at this time who don't even know if there is an afterlife. It's, it's debated. Everyone's kind of wondering. Nobody knows what comes next. The bigger right. concern was how do you become part of God's family now? Right. So this guy's asking something, something different. What's interesting about it also is that Everyone sort of knew the answer to that question. Well, you, you keep the law, right? You follow the Torah. That That's what you do. Right. So you get a sense from this guy, who he's going to say is very faithful to the law, you get a sense that there's something that's not satisfying him about that answer. Isn't that interesting? Because everybody knew the answer to that. Follow mm-hmm. the law. Obey the Torah. You know, do the covenant. Yeah. But he's like, there's something more, which is a strange... I don't know. It's it's weird. So he's like I know there's more to it and maybe this guy knows. Yeah. So it's it, it raises this question. Um and Jesus gives this weird answer, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. This is not Jesus being like falsely humble. Oh, don't call me good. I'm not that good, blah blah blah. He's he, it, it's a it's a direct um statement about his divinity no one is good but god alone you have called me good and he's going to at the end of this he's going to speak even more explicitly about his own divinity and how as you said earlier i and the father are one yes so this isn't a false humility on jesus's part he's like i want this guy to think deeper about what he actually just said because what he just said is a claim to my divinity if you have the eyes to see it yeah it's all built in there you're good who's good god oh i uh, (laughs) So And then Jesus gives kind of the, the pat answer that everyone would expect. Well, you know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. What do you notice? This is for you, Father Peter. Yep. What do you notice about the particular commandments that Jesus chose to list?
0: Kill, adultery, steal, false witness, defraud. There's honor your something father.
1: mysteriously missing. Covet. How many commandments are there? One, two, three, four. No, five, in general, six. how many commandments exist? Ten. Yeah, the the ten. And there's six here. How are they split up? How are the Ten Commandments split up traditionally? The, you uh, know this? Yeah, We've yeah, yeah, yeah. The the beginning is towards God, and then the rest is about neighbor. So it's so God, God the, and neighbor. What are the ones that Jesus lists? Neighbor. They're all about neighbor. Do you notice that? I did. He quotes only from the second tablet, so so to speak. So the ones about our relationship, what? It wasn't a
0: pun. No, I just think that it's funny. I don't know. I just, I don't know why I think it's funny. The
1: second tablet commandments, like, I don't even know, man. Second tablet commandments. That would be my punk rock band. (laughs) Second tablet commandments. (laughs) But yeah, so the first are directed toward God. The second are directed toward neighbor. He only quotes the, the ones directed toward one's neighbor, which... Makes you wonder, like, well what about the the probably the more important commandments about our relationship and our disposition toward God? What about those? And what's implied in the text is okay, I'm gonna get to that. But he gives it. he's like, oh, well, okay, what about the commandments? And the the guy's like, okay, well, all of these I have observed from my youth. Youth, by the way, is probably age twelve when he had his bar mitzvah when he was, you dude, know, well, came of age. Helen,
0: before you move on, okay, I'm looking at the context of how he says, why do you call me good? Hmm like is is he actually seeking out this expression that the father would be like um in a place to <laughs> to where he's uh um shake it off shake it off shake it off all shake right. it off all right all right um scott scott powell actually had um crumbs all over him from the nachos that we ate and so he just had to actually sh- shake off the crumbs from his shirt yep so um
1: i'm glad you said scott powell Supposed to the other Scott,
0: <laughs> dude. I I've been using two names on everybody. Good, but um, the the almost there's an investigation in the tone that Jesus is using. He's like, "Why do you call me good?" Hmm. And what if there was a pause? No one is good but God alone. That that there's actually the 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 certain sense that is he proclaiming this man as God because he knelt before him. He knelt and asked,
1: oh. ran up. Interesting.
0: That that in fact, maybe he's offering him worship and he's like, are you calling me good because you see that I am God? Oh, interesting. Huh. So, so. Well. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's interesting. So, I mean, put yeah. Keep Covering tuck, first, the, first. that away. First tablet action. Ship, shipping, ship, shipping. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, I, it's intriguing because, th- uh, well, take that for what you will. But it's interesting, especially in light of the next line, because then it says, oh, where am I? Jesus looking at him loved him. There's nothing else like that in any of the gospels. There's no expression where Jesus looks at somebody and expresses this love, which is kind of it's kind of profound. Jesus mm. sees him and lo- has this love for him, this this disposition toward this guy. It, it's it's yeah. it's really beautiful. It's the kind of thing. Um, it would only come from an eyewitness. You know, I mean, you can imagine yeah. Pete, this is the gospel from Peter's perspective, Peter being there, and he's like, I saw the look in Jesus's eyes. Like, I, I saw the way he was looking at this guy. I need to include that, you know, when I give my testimony tomorrow. I don't know. It's just one of those things you're like, I was really moved by that. I got I to gotta get that in there. So we looked at him and loved him. But what's unfortunate is that you almost get the impression that this guy is going to miss that. He's not going to notice that Jesus is loving him. Because he's going to miss the whole thing. And he said to him, you're lacking in one thing. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Um, two things. Number one, we talked about the afterlife a little bit and the idea of eternal eternal life. Even though there was debate over what that looked like and what that meant, one thing that was pretty commonly accepted was that the idea of reward if you were good in this life, if you were faithful, if you obeyed God's command, you would get stuff. Really, a whole lot of the ancient world operated on terms of what we call the health and wealth gospel. Mm-hmm. So if this guy has a lot of possessions, and literally in the in the Greek it says property or estates. If he has a lot of properties and possessions, then in the eyes of the world, he was good and he was being blessed by God. He was being rewarded for his faithfulness because he's got all the stuff. Jesus is taking the cultural worldview and completely flipping it on its head. He's like, if you really want to have treasure, if you really want reward, get rid of all this stuff, which is totally countercultural, right? Yeah, I mean it's countercultural to everything, but, um, and then come follow me. This the the follow me I think is 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 now returning to. That first part of the Ten Commandments. This is where it comes to the relationship mm, with God. Yep. Follow me. And this, quite frankly, I think is what all the other readings are pointed toward. What is the first reading all about? It's saying, I prayed and prudence was given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. What has this guy just done? As you said, he falls down in worship. He prayed to what? To wisdom. To wisdom. And guess what? Wisdom was given him. What's the wisdom? Jesus himself is presented before him, tells him to give away his possessions and come follow him. But he is embodying what the first reading was supposed to be doing.
0: Yes. I deemed riches nothing in comparison with her. And that's actually what, what becomes so profound is that we see like, oh, man, it's super easy to get trapped and actually forsake wisdom for riches. Yes, absolutely. I have been finding that a lot. Like, like it's just weird. Like every once in a while, like different movements of the spirit you can see. And I've been having to use the the phrase: "You cannot serve both God and Mammon. One's going to win."
1: Yeah, one's going to win. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One's going to win. The question is who? Yep. And this is where, and he went away sad. At the statement, his face fell, and he went away sad. For he had many possessions; he was not willing. To do what the first half of the Decalogue was asking him to, he was not willing to love God above. What, what is the first commandment? You shall love the Lord your God above, above all things. All things. What the Lord, his God, was asking him to do, was to follow him and reject everything else. He could not follow the first commandment. He could not love the Lord his God above all things. Mm. His possessions were too great. And that's where we get into the, then we get a second part of the story or really a second story is that Jesus looked around his disciples and he said, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Now, remember the context, everybody sort of believed, and this isn't scriptural, but everyone just sort of believed that if you have great wealth and great riches, it means that God blessed you. Right. You're blessed by God. Yep. And now he's totally flipping that on its head and saying, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And it says the disciples were amazed or astounded at his words. And they're probably thinking, I mean, they they heard what he said to this guy, and they're like, oh, shoot, that's a pretty big deal. Um, We'll get to them in a, in a second.
0: Well, dude, I mean, that's the thing, man. How difficult is it to have our agendas think messed with like yeah. I have a picture of what my life blessedly looks like no and the and and that's actually something that I have been struggling with profoundly like yeah. even just in my life you go I go along and I'm like I had a vision of what a successful pastor is and what are you looking for the picture which picture?
1: Uh, when I had an idea in my head of what was your picture of yourself. It doesn't
0: matter. Move on. Um, so I, I just have this picture in my head of what a successful college ministry pastor is going to be. And th- then I look around and... <laughs> uh, did Scott just pull a uh, black velvet painting off of my wall? <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Yeah, which That's I, my picture of a perfect pastor. <laughs> we might have to include yeah, that. You had to be there, guys. You yeah, had to be there. I have I have several black velvet paintings on my wall because I think that black velvet paintings are like possibly one of the coolest things that you can possibly own. It's very strange. Because it's so off the charts. Man. It's very weird. Yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. So you have this image of what a perfect pastor is supposed to be. I think I just said that for like two minutes. I know you did because I asked you to keep talking while I went and found the picture. <laughs> but you never got to the butt though. But <laughs> the uh
0: what God is actually asking of us in these concrete moments and what he's asking me as a pastor even right now is hard and confusing and very difficult to navigate. And right. the same thing is you had an idea what a perfect father looked like. Yeah, I ain't it. Yeah. And and now
1: you actually have to be the father that you're meant to be in the midst of it. Well, and here's here's to to bring this home, so here's the apostles. They're they're kind of freaked out by this. What's ironic about the apostles being amazed and freaked out by this? I mean, think about it. Put the, put the pieces together. Who are the apostles? What have they done? They have followed Jesus and left everything. There are people who have left everything to follow Jesus. but what? You, so, I mean, they should be like, yeah, that's right, because we yeah. did this. But the problem is that that's actually not enough. It's not enough just to, and that actually speaks to exactly what you're talking about, about your pastorship, my fatherhood. It's not enough just to be like, okay, yeah, I'll sell this stuff and then I'll get moving. The apostles did that, but you get the sense throughout the gospels, they did it for the sake of what? Not for eternal reward not for the sake of following Jesus because he is who he says he is but because as it said a couple chapters before they want the thrones they want the power they want the riches they're like well if we give up this stuff now and follow this guy then we'll get the palace then we'll get the thrones then we'll be in power with him right so you get that you get the in, in the um, you get the impression that their intentions are not entirely pure right Yep. Because, and they see something. They get that in this moment. Yep. Because otherwise they wouldn't be amazed. They wouldn't be astounded. They'd be like, yeah, do what we did. But they're realizing, like, oh, wait a second. We did this because we want a big gold throne. Are you telling me we are not going to get a big gold throne? (laughs) And then he says something even more shocking. He says, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed. So Jesus said to them and replied, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Notice he just expanded it now. He just originally said, how hard is it for people uh, who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Now he just said, how hard in general is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now I know that on I feel like on this podcast before, and I know I've taught this before. There is um, this old kind of tradition that talks about this gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle, where a
0: camel goes through, and you'd have to take all the bags off and anything you could. You don't have to pay tax on anything that the camel could actually do, but then everything that you had to take off, you had to tax.
1: So here's the thing. Talk to me. I'm my thought is evolving on this a little bit. There's no, there might have been a gate like this. There is no, there's no historical evidence for a gate like this. It is super popular to talk about, to hear homilies and to hear sermons and inspiring writings about this so-called eye of the needle in Jerusalem. Yeah. There's no historical evidence that actually, maybe it, maybe it did exist. Maybe it was there. I don't know if the apostles would have been as amazed and astounded and floored by the statement if they're like, oh yeah, that's the name of a gate that a bunch of camels go through all the time in Jerusalem. Unless Jesus was saying something else. So I don't know, maybe maybe there really was a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the needle that the camel had to take all of its stuff off of. Or maybe Jesus is saying something else. And maybe it is as shocking as it sounds like it is. There's not this, pardon the expression, this loophole of like, no, 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 you, you can do it. You just got to take all your stuff off and then the camel can crawl through on its belly. Yeah, I mean, I've I've taught that. I've heard that. What if he's saying something else? Because remember what he just said. Just before the rich young man showed up, he finished talking about how to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God, you have to become like one of those little children that is totally and wholly dependent on their parents, on their father, on their mother, right? What if what he's saying is, It's impossible. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle, which is an impossibility. Because as long as the camel is trying to squeeze itself through that hole, it ain't ever going to happen. He's saying you have to rely totally and completely on me. So if you have riches, you need to, even whether you sell them on Craigslist or not, you need to abandon them to me. And you need to put your trust in me because only I will actually get you to the kingdom of heaven. Follow me. Don't think of how, well, if I take off this many packages off the camel's back and I scoot through this way and I kind of angle it this way, then we can do it. And the more I think about that, I'm like, no, that's BS. That's not what he's getting at. What he's saying is, you need to trust in me, not your ability to squeeze through tight circumstances. Right. That's the whole message of the previous three chapters is he's saying, no, I and I alone am the one. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the one that this guy needs to bow down to. I am Mm. the good teacher. I am God. And it's only through being like a little child and putting total dependence in me Mm. that you will be able to do these things. So I think the imagery of a camel through the eye of a needle, an actual camel and an actual eye of a needle, is more what he's getting at. Because you look at that and you're like, there ain't no way. And he's trying to say, yeah, there ain't no way unless you put your full total dependence in me. So I've been thinking about this a lot today Um, because, again, if there's just—I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there was a gate, but the apostles are like, this is really hard. If that's true, then nobody can be saved. That's their response, isn't it? Yeah. If they're like, no, yeah, if the camel just takes off its packages and goes in this way, I get it. But they're like, if that's true, nobody's going to be saved, Jesus. What are you talking about? They were exceedingly astonished and said to themselves— then who can be saved he says for human
0: beings it is impossible so like we actually have the explanation of the of the parabolic language yes i think so and um
1: parabolic par- parabolic
0: parabolic language
1: yeah and then, and then you get to the apostles with themselves, which is what they're usually their usual topic of conversation is. Well, but he, what about us? We gave them everything. Well, yeah, this is the thing. we've given up everything in following. I said there's
0: no one who's given up house or brothers who is going to not get blessings. Yeah, and that there's going to be more to come. Right. So he's saying that like that there is an intrinsic blessing to giving those things. Absolutely. But, but. But it, 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 but there's a subcontext
1: to this saying like you can't manipulate God in, right? That's you, that. well, but don't forget, they you could I don't I don't know I'm not trying to put thoughts into their minds or or put intentions into them, but you could make the argument that the apostles really haven't given up everything because they've given up certain things, but it's for the sake of acquiring a bunch of other stuff. It's like, you know, I'm going to sell this piece of property so I can buy a much bigger piece of property. Right. Like that's just a business deal. That's not really giving up everything. You're right. just making a business deal. So, yeah, I'm going to give up my family and my home and my livelihood because I'm going to be a political powerful, you know, the emperor's assistant in the kingdom. Yeah. That's not really giving up. That's just a, a business strategy. Right. You know what I mean? So, he's right. If anybody actually does give that up for my sake, yeah, there's going to be blessing. But you like you said, you're not going to manipulate your way through that. Right. And that's, I think of the manipulating your way through that. That's what I keep thinking of when I think of this supposed gate. And and what we're kind of saying, we're like, well, no, if you can just manipulate your way into this gate in a certain way and kind of angle yourself, then, right. then you can get the eternal reward. And he's like, no, it's there's no way you can actually do this. It's only me. And to do that... You actually have to give up everything and follow me.
0: And you have to go into the first reading. You have to go into the he- Hebrew readings. Hebrew you have to go readings, into the so like, Psalm too. You just you just fill ha- us
1: with your love and we'll sing for joy. Teach us how to number our days right. Teach us what our days are supposed to look like. Yes. I've got this idea. If I do this and I do that and I give up this and I sacrifice that and I kind of do this, then I'll work. He's the psalmist is like, no, you teach us. By the way, this is the Psalm ninety. It's the only Psalm which is attributed to Moses. Oh. Whether he wrote it or not, I don't know, but it's attributed to him. You know how he wrote it? He brewed it. He had a lot of coffee beforehand. Mm, I knew it. <laughs> Sorry. So those are my thoughts. Dude, those thoughts
0: are phenomenal and um I think that uh I, I want to give a tithing homily. Mm. But I but a tithing homily that says we don't manipulate God. Yeah. That in that in fact we we are just uh, we're subject to him and and as we subject uh, as we are subject to him, we subject all things that are inside of us to him right. um, out of love for him and and then we will be filled with the joy of God and we will be filled with his love and we will seek God above the things of this world and that'll be the best. yeah and that is actually like we, we can kneel down before him and the Lord can challenge us and say like, give what you have away, give it to me.
1: And it's probably going to stink. It's probably going to hurt and be painful.
0: Yeah. Unless you've ever done it, which, by the way, is super freeing. It's totally amazing. Mm. Yeah. Sold everything you have? Yep. Mm. Did you do it? I did. Before I went into seminary. Really? Yeah. Wow.
1: I've never done it. You have a family. It'd be, it'd be, yeah, it wouldn't be a good idea. No. No. All right, you guys. Well, that's um, that's that. Keep so don't real. sell everything you have unless God tells you to do it. Yeah, that's actually that's the That's kind key. of the other uh, built-in <laughs> thing here. So what, what we're being called to is a willingness yes. to abandon everything. And, and that, that is what we call a, uh, what's the word, <laughs> a detachment. Detachment. So Jesus isn't saying that unless you're totally poor, unless you have nothing, then you can't enter in the kingdom of God. He's saying unless you're totally detached from it. If God were to call you to do that, are you willing to do it? If God is to call you to move to a foreign country, are you willing to do it? If God's to call you to adopt a child from another nation or something, are you willing to do it? What's your level of detachment from your view of your life? Of, like you said, your image of what a perfect pastor is, my image of what a perfect father is. How much are we willing to be detached from those things and docile enough to follow God wherever he leads us? That's the point. And to do those things, again, what Jesus is saying, is really not possible under our own power. Nope. Unless we abandon it to God, unless we follow Him with all of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do it. But when we give ourselves to Him, when we sacrifice that, the 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 most important thing, ourselves, then we can do all things through Him. Strengthen us.
0: Strengthen us, O oh Lord. Indeed. Keep all it right, real,
1: everybody. We love you. We'll be back next week. Okay. See you later. Bye. Bye.